Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. Next week, next Sunday is Valentine's Day, right? Am I mistaken? Is that? Yeah, Valentine's Day. And so typically... Um, you know, we celebrate love and couples celebrate love and people, you know, give Valentine's to each other. And I just thought in, um, in honor of that Valentine's Day, we're going to do a new series this week, this week and next week called Love Lifted Me. Love Lifted Me. And uh, next week, we're going to talk a lot about loving one another, the one another's of the Bible. And this week, we're going to talk about a little bit about God's love, because I really believe that it's difficult to know really how to love one another without understanding how you are loved and how to be loved. Amen. And so it's, uh, you know, some people would say it's, you know, it's a little corny when you talk about love and all of those kind of things, but uh, it's something we need to be reminded about, right? Amen. We, uh, you know, I know where, where we live and I'm sure I know all around here in Bloomington, you go around and you see all the signs in the, uh, you know, in the yards, be kind, you know, and I know, you know, where that comes from and all that and whatever anybody thinks, but the message is true. Be kind. Let us be good to one another. There's enough bad things going on. Amen. And so we have to understand how to love one another. Now, this word love, the dictionary defines it uh, as an intense feeling of deep affection, right, toward one another or a great interest or pleasure in something. Okay. And people have tried to define this word really for centuries. You know, what is love? I mean, is it the actions that we have toward one another? Is it a feeling? Uh, you know, is it, um, you know, what we say to one another? What is love? What is it really? Uh, and we've tried to learn how to display it, how to receive it, all of those things. And love has been defined as actions taken. Um, but ultimately, love really is a mystery. I think love at its core is really a mystery. And I think that we really use this word love a lot when sometimes we really mean attraction or infatuation or lust, right? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I could use that word a lot, you know, when I talk about sweet potato pie, you know. I say I love sweet potato pie, but do I really love it or do I just lust after it? Okay, thank you, Lord. Help me, Jesus, right? But when we talk about God's love toward us, God's love really is this. Uh, it is a divine attribute of his personality. You know, it, it's, it's really his disposition, which that word just means a person's inherent qualities of mind and character. It's his disposition. In other words, what I'm saying is when you talk about God as love, it really is who he is. It's not just what he does. We love one another. I, I love my wife. I love sweet potato pie. You know, I love all of these things. I love warm weather, right? But uh, God, when he says, I love you, it's really coming from him. It's who he is when he says, I love you. And, you know, it's really a, a two-part thing with him. It's really a self-giving type of love, and it's really a good for others 
type of love. And what that really means is self-giving means simply that there's no outside cause for him to love you, right? There's no outside influence. There's no uh, other reason. You didn't do anything to get him to love you. Think about this. I've said this before, but think about a mother who just has a child, you know, and of course a father uh, loves his children as well. But, you know, a mother, when she births that child and that child is there, the child can do nothing. It can't uh, but cry and throw up and do other things, you know, uh, but it can do nothing uh, to prove its love to its mom. But its mother loves it. Because she chooses to love it, right? And that's the way God loves you. There's nothing you can do to earn his love. There's nothing you can do to push his love away. That's the love of a mother. That's the love of God. And that's self-giving love. That means it didn't come from you. He just did it even when you weren't looking. There's a scripture in Romans that talks about, um, you know, even when we, when we weren't able, we weren't thinking about God. You know, we weren't even, we didn't even realize that there was a God. He died on the cross for us. When we didn't even know, right? We didn't even know there was a God. He died on the cross for us. That's self-giving love. And then it's good for others. And that just simply means there's no self-benefit. That means he's not looking to get something back from you. That's the kind of love we're talking about. He's not looking to receive anything back. You know, that kind of love sometimes almost makes me feel guilty. And I have to learn how to receive that kind of love. You, you know, what can I do for you? Well, what, what, what do you need back? I feel, you know, when you get a great gift from somebody, sometimes you almost feel like you want to do something in return to show your appreciation. But God is not looking for anything from you in return. I think Paul said it best in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to look at that, just verses 1 and 2. I mean, you can turn there if you want to. If you have your old school paper Bible, or maybe if you have your uh, device and you want to turn there, we'll put it up uh, on the screen uh, in a moment. So um, Ephesians chapter 5, just looking at the first two verses, this is what Paul said to this church at Ephesus. He said, therefore... Be imitators. In other words, do what he does. Be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. He's really trying to implore us to live a life of love and not just do actions of love. See the difference there? To live a life of love. In other words, look for opportunities to love. Walk in love. That's what that means. As Christ has also loved us. Now, you know... <laughs> This is starting to get a little deep, just these first two verses. Therefore, be imitators of God. Okay, got it. What, what I understand of God and what I see him do, do that as dear children. Walk in love. Okay, you want me to, uh, you know, you want me to be love. You want me to uh, look for ways to love. But now he says, as Christ has loved us, as Christ has loved us. Well, in order to understand that, we have to understand how Christ loved us. And it says, he gave, he gave himself for us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. That means that God loves it. He loves it uh, when we love one another the way that Christ loved us. And so just honing in for a moment on that as Christ loved us, think about that. How did he love us? Well, he gave himself for us on the cross. First of all, if you go back before that, he was in heaven with the Father, the Word of God, uh, in a perfect place. And instead of remaining in that place because he loved us so much, he wrapped himself in flesh. Uh, 
and came down here where he would be hungry and tired and get offended and you know have to fight off those things and all of that where he would have to do all of those things and then he died for us so you think about Christ being the word of God being the creator of all things submitting himself to his own creation because he loved them that much so now it's getting a little deep when you say love each other as Christ loved us as Christ loved us does that mean we're going to go to the cross or we, we even have to die no that's not what that means he went to the cross once and for all time for us but it's the attitude that he's talking about of think of others before yourself it's, it's that simple think of others before yourself it's being selfless and not selfish I like the way the message version puts this particular passage of scripture verses one and two the message puts it this way. Eugene Peterson uh, wrote this and he said, watch what God does. Watch what he does. Then you do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you out of all the things that God has done. You know, there's a scripture in Psalm that says God opened his mouth and he breathed out stars. It's just talking about the awesomeness of God. He stopped time before. He turned water into wine. He, he healed a, a, a blind man. He, he cast out, he done all these things. But out of all the things that God has done, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love, watch this now, please watch this. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. I love that word, an extravagant love. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Love like that. I don't know if you've ever experienced a love like that, if you've been blessed enough to experience a love like that, even in the natural, I would tell you, uh, I have several times. And even this last time when I, uh, a few weeks ago, when I had COVID, I, I really experienced that kind of love from my wife. She loved me extravagantly. She was over and above and she does it all the time. And so when we think about that kind of love, that extravagant love, it, you say, oh, Lord, I'm so thankful for that kind of love and that you put people in my life that love me that way and that you love me that way. And he says, okay, that's great, but hold on, I'm not finished. You love like that. Oh, wait, you want, no, no, I'm, I'm thankful that you love me that way. But you want me to love like that? I wouldn't know how to love like that. Well, we don't know how to love like that until we first understand how we're loved like that. When we get that in our heart, when we get that in our spirit, when we begin to comprehend the love that God has for us, not just because of what he's done for us, but because of who he is. When we begin to understand that now we can begin to understand how to love one another. And this passage really underlines this definition of God's love that is self-giving and that he himself is for others. And we're taught in several scriptures in 1 Corinthians 13, it's called the love chapter. In Ephesians 3.8, Paul indicates four dimensions of God's love. He talks about the breadth of God's love. 
It's broad enough for the whole world, 8 billion people in the world, and his love is broad enough for each and every one of us. He talks about the length, Paul does, of God's love. It goes to the length uh, uh, that he gave his only begotten son on the cross. That's how far he went for us. Talks about the height of his love. From heaven, he gave us salvation. And it talks about the depth of his love. It goes right down to the gates of hell and snatches us from the, 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 the wiles of the enemy that we should not perish. God's love is the love of Christ which passes all of our knowledge. It's like a tree rooted in the ground deep from which it draws life. And we are to be rooted in that same love of Christ, praying that we might somehow comprehend and be filled with the fullness of God's love. Be filled with his fullness. I was thinking of this story I came across one time. Just a simple little story. And it was about an airline, Northwest Airlines, who was bought by Delta. And this was when they were still Northwest back in 1987. This airplane took off from Detroit Airport, DFW. And um, it was flight 225, and unfortunately it crashed right after it took off, killing 155 people on board. But one person survived, just one, just one. It was a four-year-old young girl from Tempe, Arizona, named Cecilia. Out of all the people in that plane, little four-year-old survived. When rescuers found Cecilia, they didn't believe that she was on the plane. I mean, come on, 155 people died. One survived and it was a four-year-old. How in the world does a four-year-old survive a plane crash where everyone else dies? They thought uh, because the, the plane crashed near the highway that she was probably in one of the cars that was driving along the highway and got involved in the crash. But when they looked at the passenger manifest, there was her name, Cecilia. She was right there. And after the investigators did all of their investigation, what they finally surmised, what they came to the conclusion was that her mother, her mother, her mother, when she was in her seat, her mother grabbed her even as the plane was going down and she put her arms around her and she covered her and uh, she took her own seatbelt off and got down on the ground and she was on her knees and she was over her daughter. She wrapped her arms around the body of Cecilia and she would not let her go. And even as the plane crashed and even as the mother died, somehow by some miracle, she protected her daughter. Nothing could separate that child from her parents' love. That's the kind of love that God has for you. Nothing can separate us from his love. You're like me. You say, I've messed up in life. I've, I've failed a few times. I've done some things I shouldn't have done. I've thought ways that I shouldn't have thought. I've fallen short and I've done all of these things. God certainly must be mad at me. And it reminds me when I think like that of the story of the woman that was caught in adultery in the Bible. I know the Bible does not mention the man that was caught in adultery. I hope the brothers went and hooked him up worse, but they caught the woman and they brought her and they, they threw her down before Jesus. You know the story. Many of you know the story. They threw her down before Jesus and said, what are you going to do about this? 
Because the law says that she should be stoned. This is old school. Come on, guys. The law says she's supposed to be stoned, killed for adultery. Think about that. And that was when Jesus gave his famous line, you without sin cast the first stone. And they each dropped their rocks. Drop your rocks. Drop your rocks. And they went away one by one from the youngest to the oldest. And Jesus was left there with the woman still down on the ground. And he leaned down to her and he said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, I have none, Lord. The God of the universe, the one who created all things, the one who breathed and stars came out, said, then neither do I accuse you. Now, if the God of the universe doesn't accuse you, you're not accused. Come on, somebody. And so we need to think about that love. Does that mean we take advantage of his love and his grace? No, because he's a father and he will correct us. But that's the way he loves us. Love is the answer. When we ask why, why, why am I here? Why are we here? What is my purpose? How can I find happiness and fulfillment in life? Love is the answer. Dr. Martin Luther King had a great quote. I read a, a book by him, a few books, but one book called Strength to Love. And in that book, he said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Love is the answer. Love is the greatest force in the universe. The greatest force in the universe. Now, you know, I, I even kind of hate to say it this way, but, uh, you know, for the lack of trying to find better words, I really am a faith person. You know, I'm all about faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live and move and walk by faith. You, it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is the key. Faith is the activator. Belief in God and faith is the activator of his will in your life. But if faith is the activator, love is the originator. That's where it comes from. Everything comes and is birthed out of love. What we have to do is understand how to receive God's love. Let me quickly give you five things that we need to receive from God. First of all, we need to receive his forgiveness. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do. You can say, I'm sorry. You can repent and all of those things. But really, it's not, and we should do all of those things. We absolutely should say we're sorry. We absolutely should ask for forgiveness. We absolutely should do all of those things. But that doesn't earn our forgiveness from God. He already forgave us when he died on the cross and rose again. All we have to do is receive it. Ephesians, back in chapter 1, uh, it says this. It talks about how he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he blessed us in the beloved. In him, watch this, we have redemption through his blood. Not through our words and not through our actions, but through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Do you understand that his grace is sufficient for you? Do you understand when we quote all of these things, these us church people and have this church vernacular and we say his mercy endures forever? Do we understand what that means? That it never runs out? His forgiveness never ever runs out and that his mercies are new every morning? Meaning that when you woke up this morning, he already had a forgiveness waiting for you before you did anything. Come on. 
Now, if that's not love, I don't know what love is. So we need to understand how to receive his forgiveness. And then we need to understand how to receive his acceptance or his affirmation. You are accepted. Romans 5.17 says, For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign through the one, Jesus Christ. In other words, another version says, God has been so kind to us and he has accepted us because of Jesus and we will rule like kings. Let me tell you something this morning. You are accepted. You are accepted. You know, there's a lot of things that we, you know, we look at. We look at Instagram. And we used, when I was coming up, we didn't have, we had Cosmopolitan and, you know, Ebony and different magazines, you know, and uh, all of these magazines. And they told you uh, what you needed to do to be accepted. You had to look a certain way and you had to weigh a certain, you know, weight and all of these type of things. And, but God is saying to you today, you are accepted just as you are. Doesn't mean you don't want to get better at things. Doesn't mean you don't want to lose any weight or, you know, learn more in your vocabulary or, you know, it doesn't mean you don't want to get better and better yourself. But just as you are, you are accepted. Don't do those things to be accepted. Do those things just to be better. But God has already accepted you. Let's accept each other. Come on. It could be a whole sermon in its own. Number three, let's receive abundant adoration. Well, you just said acceptance and you, you said affirmation. What do you mean by adoration? Well, think about where the word adoration comes from. It comes from the word adore. Adore. And what does adore mean, right? Again, back to the mother and child, right? A mother adores her child. Two people in love adore each other, at least at first. Uh, you know, maybe they got to learn again how to do it later on. I don't know, you know, go to a little marriage, uh, you know, maybe go on a little trip. You know, my wife and I, we went on a little trip to the Virgin Islands. So, uh, you know, maybe you need to do that. But adore, you know, God adores you. God adores you. Listen to this scripture out of Zephaniah. Let this sink in. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. Watch this. He will rejoice over you with singing. Can you believe that God sings? God sings over you. God sings over you. Receive that abundant adoration from God. Number four, receive correction. Come on now. We can't go through this without talking about receiving correction because sometimes we're on a path and God needs to correct our path. Understand how to receive that, okay? Hebrews 12, 5 and 6 says, And you have... You, and you uh, quite forgot, have you quite forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you, his child? He said, my son, don't be angry when the Lord punishes you. Don't be discouraged when he has to show you where you are wrong. For when he punishes you, it proves that he loves you. When he whips you, come on, it proves that you are really his child. In other words, when, when God corrects you, it's showing you that I love you, right? I'm not letting you just run out in the street in the traffic. I'm going to pull you back and correct you. I may even speak harshly to you. Don't you do that so you understand what I'm saying to you. Don't, 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 don't push that away when God corrects you. Look for corrections in life. And lastly, we need to receive grace. We need to receive his grace. Back to Romans 5, 17, for if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one which much more who received abundance, how much more those who received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign with life 
through the one Jesus Christ if we receive the abundance of grace that he has given us. Listen, I want to tell you this morning that there is no way that we'll be under, we, un, we will understand and we'll be able to love each other properly. Our love will fail. We'll be able to do it for a while. But as soon as someone offends us, as soon as we're disappointed in someone, uh, that love will stop. There's no way we'll understand how to love one another, how to accept one another, how to adore and affirm and encourage one another, and even correct one another properly without first understanding how we need to receive that from God. We need to receive that from God. 